1: paper since 1971. Motor's well, time on the Ben Jirowski show as I speak. It's uh, Friday. I think it's the 8th of October. I've lost track of time, folks, since I've been out in L.A. I've just lost track of time. I don't know when it is. I don't know where I am. And I'm always two hours behind Chicago. So like the whole world of Chicago is doing its thing and I'm still like waking up. But i got a yeah, very happy and very pleased that um, my dear friends uh, from the show are sticking with me. And so uh, speaking of which, I will now ask my distinguished guest to introduce herself because it's a very recogni- recognizable dear friend. Take it away, distinguished guest.
0: I'm Ramana Hussein. I'm a, an assistant Metro editor at the Chicago Sun-Times.
1: Yes, and a columnist as well and a a very opinionated uh, woman who comes on our show every other week and uh, speaks from her heart and her mind. So, uh, Romana, welcome back. All right, you were the one who told me about this. Uh, I've been waiting almost two weeks to talk to you about this. Uh, It's it's a story outside of Chicago that broke on the Internet, and it was the talk of the Twitter world, which, of course, I don't follow, but Romana clues me in on it. And Ellen Pompeo, an actress I never heard of, had, I can't even get the words out, had, was so disrespectful to my favorite, well, actually tied for first favorite actor of all time, the great Denzel Washington tie with Paul Newman. Showing my age here. Most of my listeners don't even know who the hell Paul Newman is. But, Ramon, I got to tell you, I loved Paul Newman in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. So, Denzel, you're tied with Paul Newman. But why don't you explain to people what, Ellen Pompeo had to say about Denzel Washington and, and how disrespectful it was. Take it away, Ramona.
0: Well, I have to first of all tell you that so Ellen Pompeo is on this show called Grey's Anatomy, a show I really don't watch, but at some point it was really popular. I would say the mid two thousands, and a lot of my friends would watch it. And apparently, it's still running. And people say it has it's not as good. Um, Sandra O oh was on it. Um, Sandra O oh was obviously starred in many things, but. That was something that kind of gave her more of a presence. Um, so a friend of mine was telling me about how some character returned or we're on this like group text message. And I noticed that Ellen Pompeo and Denzel Washington were both trending on Twitter a couple days ago. And I was like, what's this about? And then I saw that Ellen Pompeo was, um, so she's an actress on Grey's Anatomy and she's actually the lead character in the show. And she was talking about this incident where Denzel Washington, I believe, was directing um, an episode. And I think Denzel Washington and her had some sort of creative difference. And Denzel Washington said something to her. And then they got into some heated exchange. And she, she started swearing at Denzel Washington and said, hey, it's my effing show. You don't even know where the bathroom is. And so a lot of people were dragging her on uh, Twitter for going after Denzel Washington. And, and you know, the thing is, I was telling my friends, like, I could understand if you have a difference of opinion in a workplace with someone um, and, you know, things can get heated, heated, but I felt like the way she said it was... Um, was pretty disrespectful. And I don't know what Denzel Washington side was. That's, that was what my, I, my takeaway is because she was telling everybody what happened. And so she was talking about how she was mad at Denzel the whole day. And and it, it was kind of funny because I think she was trying to show like, you know, what a tough boss lady she was. And then it kind of backfired her on her. And everybody's like, why are you bragging about that? It, it makes you look like a fool. And you know, obviously people were taking, you know, shots at her because she's not an A-list actor like Denzel Washington and Denzel Washington's on this totally different level. And then, you know, obviously people were bringing up um, race because she's a white woman and Denzel Washington is black. So as we all know, so uh, it was, it was pretty interesting. Then a couple of days ago, I think Katie Couric is now being called a Karen as well because she talked about how, I think she had a book that came out and she talked about how Denzel Washington made her quote unquote uncomfortable. I have to admit, I haven't really read that much about the Katie Couric episode, but everybody's then everybody started talking about Katie Couric a couple of days ago. I didn't have time to pay attention to that as I was pretty busy the last couple of weeks, really pretty busy with work. So that was the, that was the takeaway with Ellen Pompeo slash Denzel Washington um, episode.
1: All right. Well, now you got me a tangent where Katie Kirk got ripped in the bright one the Sun Times the other day by Essie Cup. I don't know if you saw that column. Uh and I went with I have a confession to make. Essie Cup is quickly becoming one of my favorite columnists. I know. You always tell me to read her. Yeah, I'm like, did you read her? Did you read her? And this is a woman who's a conservative, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but she has uh she she just lost her what affinity for conservative politics because of Trump. And so she's still not a liberal by any, uh, stretch of the imagination. She's still on the right of me in every single issue, political issue. But I respect conservatives. My lefty listeners give me a hard time about this who defy Trump on the principle that he's uh, a tyrant, uh, and that he's a lying, uh, uh and very dangerous, uh, to our country presence. Uh, so, anyway, uh, S.E. Cup has taken that stand. And so, a lot of times I'll be reading her and I'll go, I disagree with her on this line, but I like this line, which is a provocative commas. I I enjoy that. You know what I mean? In a provocative. She took Katie Kirk to task because Katie Kirk wrote this book where she was bragging about how nasty and mean she is to people and how she undercut other women. So, Follow me in this, Romana. Like, Kitty Kirk was bright. So, let's say you, you've you been at the Sun Times for I don't know how many years, 10 years or whatever. It is. 20. Get out of You've been at the bright no. one for 20?
0: Yeah, right after 9 11. I got hired in October.
1: Damn, it's been 20. Man, I got to give you a watch or something. I don't know. Uh, but
0: no, uh, no. like, would they stop doing that? Like, when, in my first five years at the time, Marshall Field still existed, I got a Marshall Fields gift card. And then after that, it was just like nothing you know it was just kind of like they they ran out of money to give anybody so
1: you, you know what i'll give you uh i'll tell you a similar story about my 20th year it was tw- my 20th year anniversary at the reader uh it occurred right in the middle of um one of our many ownership changes during that really dark era uh, after the original owners sold the reader uh and then the company that Bought the reader, went bankrupt, and then it was taken over by a hedge fund. And the hedge fund brought in some managers. from I don't even remember where they were from. And all of a sudden, (laughs) it's so weird, Romana. All of a sudden, uh, there were these managers that were brought in as consultants running the reader. And they gathered all the reader employees in a room for some reason. uh, And it was then that they announced they were like, like listing the older employees, Uh, In the room, stand up just so you could see, everybody could see everybody. And they go, oh, my God, this guy, Ben, has been with us for 20 years. This is how I was recognized for 20 years in the middle of a meeting with the consultants of the hedge fund that took us in a bankruptcy proceeding. Dark times in journalism, Ron. Anyway, 20 years you've been at this. Okay, so going back to my story, if you acted the way Katie Couric acts according to Cup. Uh, anytime a young woman came to the Sun Times, you would openly attempt to undercut her because you would fear that she would represent a competition to you, and that your status would somehow be endangered by her presence. I've known you for two years, three years, four—whatever it is. That's just there's nothing like that in your soul. But have you ever like encountered someone that you thought? was so paranoid about her position in the, the universe that she was <laughs> undercutting you?
0: Sometimes, I mean, sometimes. I mean, it happens to any you know younger, I mean, I'm not young anymore, but any younger woman who's um, especially a person of color, I think, um, in the newsroom. But I don't know, I have never had a blatantly done. I have to say I'm pretty lucky, but there's definitely some people who feel paranoid like, you know, they have to be the, the one woman, you know, that everybody listens to. And, you know, you kind of get lectured on by some people. But I've never had anything like blatant happen to me. But there are, there's definitely, I think um, there's a stereotype that female bosses are, um, you know, extra. And that's sexist, I think, um, because there are bad male bosses and there's bad female bosses but and I think I think what happens with a lot of women bosses is they feel like they have to be like men and you know do the stereotypical or act the stereotypical way men act or have to be a lot tougher so I think that's what happens especially with the older generation what I've seen is like they have to feel like they have to be a lot tougher and they probably have to deal with a lot more too so I have seen it and I have seen some people like you know and sometimes I wonder if I do that because, you know, there's a lot of young journalists now and, and I'm one of the older people now. And so, you know, we have a lot of these younger journalists who don't have that much experience. And sometimes I'll be like, Oh, <laughs> these millennials, you know, and it's like, don't they know that this is, this is how you do things X, Y, and Z. So I'm sure I'm, can come off like that too. But I try to, I try to remember that, okay, these, these individuals are all in their twenties and they they have less experience than I do. And, some things that are instinctive to me might not be instinctive to them. But then, of course, I start thinking to myself and go, God, when I was that age, I, could, I, I knew that, you know. And so, yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's just like a, sometimes it's a generational thing, too. But I don't think I'm overly, I, I mean, I think in general, people think I'm pretty harmless from what, from what I can gather from the newsroom. I mean, a lot of younger reporters do come to me if they, if they have a question or need advice. So I'd like to think that I'm not a total jerk.
1: Uh, But, uh, all right, we went off a stray there. I allowed myself to go down that path. Let's go back to (laughs) Alan Pompeo. Yeah. Uh, But uh, because, yeah, the Kitty Kirk thing was completely different. Um, But I, I was, I don't know, maybe I'm being too deferential. You tell me. But to me, a man like Denzel Washington, just by virtue of his longevity his track record his success his greatness which i do believe he's a great actor oh he's a great uh,
0: actor i think i don't think anybody disagrees with that there's like certain actors where you're just like no question he's one of
1: them yeah just commands respect Uh, and and so i just i can't imagine like if denzel washington if i were just imagine this, uh, Ramona. You and I were in a movie and Denzel was the director. I can't in a million years imagine being anything but respectful of the guy. It's Denzel freaking Washington. It's. Uh, I, so I, think, what? Yeah.
0: I think Ellen Pompeo was just trying to, sh- I think she was trying to show, like, hey, look, I'm this tough. Like, you know, we hear a lot of white women call themselves boss lady. Sorry, I know there's a lot of women that I know. They all, and so a lot of like women of color always laugh at white women who always like brag about how bossy they are, and they're like they call themselves boss lady. So I think she was trying to show like, oh God, look, I'm such a boss lady. Like you know, even telling Denzel Washington where he can go. Like I'm like, and so it just I think the tone of it came wrong. And then, like I was telling a friend, I go, I don't care if she like called him out on something. I mean, yeah, I would be respectful to Denzel Washington too. I'd be I'd be respectful to even if it wasn't someone that was Denzel Washington, like, you know, obviously like I guess it's human nature when we see Denzel Washington, we're all going to be like, but in in general, I think you should treat everyone with respect. So I think if I I had a difference of opinion with um, someone and it was someone of the stature of Denzel Washington, I might get mad, but I wouldn't say things like, Hey, it's my show. You don't even know where the bathroom is. That's just, that's like, that's just another, another level. And it's one of the, one of the things I always tell people is like, you can tell someone's character by the way they treat someone at a restaurant—the waiter or the servers—and it's like it's like if they treat them like crap, it's like that's how they treat people, unless they can do something for them. So I think that you should you should treat like you know the you know somebody who's you know the director or not the director, but somebody who's just doing like catering in you know for the show. The same way she would, you would respect someone else. So for her to like brag about saying that to Denzel Washington, it's like you wouldn't, you shouldn't even say that to like the average person. Let alone, I guess everybody's saying Denzel Washington because you know everybody's pointing out like, like who are you? And people don't even know who you are. Like I know, who, I know who she is because a lot of women would watch Grey's Anatomy and they would talk about it. So that's how I knew who she was. And for a moment, she was in the news a lot, you would see pictures of her. Like if you read any celebrity magazines, um, the show's not as popular as it was, but, but so, you know, for her to go on this podcast and brag about it, people are just like nothing to brag about lady, you know? So yeah, you're hearing the Karen jokes for sure about her.
1: All right. So as long as we're in a uh, topic of women behaving badly, uh, let's move on to Sage Steele, (laughs) And I was the one who told you about her. Uh, I know.
0: I knew who she was. I just didn't know her latest.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. I knew you yeah. knew who she was. You just didn't know about her latest. She went on the Jay Cutler uh, podcast. Yes, it's true. Jay Cutler, the former Bear quarterback, has his own podcast, and Jay Cutler is uh, is, is is MAGA. He's 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 all about uh, showing his MAGA uh, love and uh, affinities, uh, and apparently, uh, Sage Steele, who is again a uh, broadcaster on ESPN, uh, is also MAGA, uh, and um, She said some things that were pretty freaking stupid. Uh, In my humble opinion, this is me speaking, okay, on my podcast. Uh, So she said them on the issues of my obsession at the moment, vaccines. Uh, And she said it on the issue of women on the workplace just dealing with sexual, blatant sexual harassment. Uh, and then she insulted, for a good measure, uh, Barack Obama's father and Barack Obama, uh, and it was pretty much a trifecta for Sage Steel on the. And Jay Cutler was just like nodding his head, going, "Yeah, <laughs> sounds good to me. I'm glad you're saying it." Uh, so, want you to take the deep dive a little bit, uh, Romana, on uh, Sage Steelgate. First
0: of all, I had no idea Jay Cutler had a podcast. But I guess he made billions of dollars, so he doesn't have to do anything for the rest of his life. And I guess he does the podcast for fun. Um, uh, I saw, I knew who Sade Steele was. I know that you told me the latest, the latest on her. But I remember the reason I found out about who she was is because she made comments that were crazy before, too. And I agree with you. I, don't, I think her comments were way off base her first comment was about vaccines. And she said, basically, she goes, I don't care if people, you know, if people have a right to get vaccinated. But she said something like vaccine mandates are insane, or they're crazy. And she was just going off on va- vaccine mandates. And I guess Jay Cutler was shaking his dumb head. And then, um, and then she said, you know, she started, she brought up Barack Obama and how he identifies as a black man. And she was going off on, you know, by by identifying as a black man, I think she was saying, you know, he's dismissing his mother and grandmother and grandparents who raised him while his, you know, black father was off, you know, in Africa, not taking care of him. So I think she, she was telling Barack, you know, she was kind of going after Barack Obama and his father. And uh, yeah, and we all know, you know, everybody knows that Barack Obama is biracial and I'm not black. So I'm not one to talk about how a biracial individual who's part black should identify. So I don't have a, I shouldn't have, I don't have a right to say how anybody should describe themselves who are black. So, but I just thought it was interesting that she's going after Barack Obama because he said he's black. I mean, if he chooses to say he's black, what's, What's wrong with that? He's not hes not denied that his mother and grandparents took care of him. He's talked about it extensively. And, you know, he's even talked about how his father wasn't in his life that much, but that was his father. And at the end of the day, I think uh, a lot of Black people would say, you know, when he walks down the street, nobody's going to mistake Barack Obama for a white man. And so he's lived his life as a Black man. So he identifies as a Black man. And I don't think he disparages his... Um, you know, white heritage at all. In fact, I think he's gone out of his way to talk about his his mother and grandparents. And then the third thing she was talking about um, was sexual harassment. And then she talked, then she kind of went after um, women (laughs) when she was talking about sexual harassment at the workplace. And she's like, well, you know, these young women asked me to look at their tapes of their, you know, of their standups. I guess that's what it's called in TV sports or TV news. And she said, well, look at the stuff they're wearing and I don't know. And then she's, you know, she's kind of starts blaming women. It sounded like she was blaming women for the sexual harassment. So I, I so of course I did see Sage Steel, uh trending on Twitter. And and then I thought like, oh God, what is she, did she saying? I didn't, I don't think I, I was, I was just been so busy the last couple of weeks. Um, I haven't, I didn't really pay attention, but you brought, you made me do my homework and look it up. So I do, I do agree with you. I, do, I don't agree with any of her commentary on those three topics at all.
1: I, I um, There's certain things that really trigger me to use uh, a millennial word, if I may. Uh, and one thing that really triggers me is one of the th- three things. I mean, I found everything she said upsetting. Like the, the part about the women was uh, sort of like heading into that, part of, um, discourse where women are supposed to just put up with, uh, harassment and assault that, that idea. Well, yeah, you just get over, it. it'll it be over. And so she was talking about how in a locker room when she was interviewing men and they'll say, um, uh, provocative, nasty things uh, to her that they shouldn't say. And, uh, she just kind of rolls her eyes and goes on with it. And that was her advice. Uh, And so whether the nasty things that the men say to her really affect her, I don't know. She makes it seem like they don't. But I I don't know how that's good advice to tell people just to tolerate abuse. I I don't, you know, I've never liked that advice in the first place. And I know I wouldn't want to be abused. So why should we put up with it? That makes it seem like there's nothing wrong with being abused. So, a very bizarre message for her to put out. And I'm not even sure she believes it. Uh, but the part that triggered me the most, I suppose, well, it ties together with Obama. So, Obama has chosen to uh, indicate, apparently, on uh, census forms, he's black. Okay. That's his identity, that's his choice. All right. She, Sage Steele, has chosen not to get the COVID. Uh, the vaccine. I mean, she does have COVID actually, but not to <laughs> yeah. get the vaccine. She got COVID right <laughs> right after that. So I don't get it. She is mad because people like me have no tolerance for her not getting the vaccine, but she shows nothing but contempt for Barack Obama choosing to identify as a black man. So this is my problem with MAGA in general, Romana. They oh, it's want... a
0: hypocrisy. It's a hypocrisy. Yeah.
1: They want us to tolerate their idiocy all the time. Go, that's right. Maga. You're right. You know, you're so smart, Maga, but they (laughs) feel free to just mock us, make fun of us.
0: And the worst, the worst part is that they take um, language from the left and apply it to their feelings where they talk about my body, my choice. But the thing with this, case is that's a fallacy. This isn't just your body. It's everybody else's body that you're, you know, in in the vicinity of. So when you sneeze or cough, and you have COVID, you could give it to someone else. So for them to say my body, my choice, or I don't want to wear a mask, it's like, no, it isn't just your body, because you could be affecting someone else. So it's, it's just hypocrisy. I mean, you know, a lot of MAGA people, they talk about, you know, religion and you know, they're always like, when it's someone else's religion, that's not Jewish, maybe, maybe Christian, you know, they're a little okay with Judaism, I think. But if there's a religion that has nothing that they're familiar with, they're like, there's always a separation of church and state in this country. But then when it comes to Christianity, they want that weaved into the law of America. And, you know, then they're like, well, this is the Christian American way we do things. So it's, it's just, it's just hypocrisy. You know what I mean? It's like, they talk about like religious extremists or extremists overseas or, and then it's like, they don't look at themselves and they just, they're like, we're American. You know, they don't realize that they're acting, behaving the same way they criticize other people for doing all around the world for their narrow mindedness. So I just think it's hypocrisy, plain and simple.
1: All right. Now I may have asked you this question already. I can't remember. So, um, I am uh, going to ask it again, uh, and I'm going to use your counsel as I go forth in the world. Uh, I have issues. I openly admit it with uh, vaccine anti vaxxers and now we're supposed to call some of them what are they hesitant? Is that is it? Well, is it like a distinguish no. between anti vaxxers I'm like, okay, so that already, man, you you uh, maga people, you guys are unreal. With you feel I maybe mean, you could rip anybody and then you call them a snowflake, but we have to get the exact right terminology when we talk about anti. So we're not anti-vax, but we're hesitant or I forget. Well, I forget their little word they have for it. I got a, a problem. And, uh, so you can feel free to make fun of me for this one, Romana, with people who express tolerance for anti-vaxxers. And I, this is, this is a, uh, uh, Group of people that exist in the world of sports, and as you know, I'm obsessed with basketball. And the basketball season has started. Preseason, I've been watching a lot of it. And they go to the studio shows, and one of the big topics of conversation in the studio show is a great guard who plays for the Brooklyn Nets named Kyrie Irving, who is refusing to take the shot, and as a result, will not be able to play in at least half of his team's games because in New York City, plays for the Brooklyn Nets in New York City, you cannot go into a the playing arena, Barkley Center, where the Nets play unless you're vaccinated. And that includes the players. So that's 41 games. That's half a season. He can't play. And the Nets don't know what to do and he's sticking to his guns. He says he's not getting vaccinated. And so when they go to the studio and they have these talking heads who are, mo- many of them are former basketball players and they want to, they don't, I don't know if they're chicken. I don't know if it's a code. I don't know whatever. But they, or maybe they think this is being open-minded. They feel compelled to say, "Well, I respect his right to have his opinion, and I, uh, I, uh, you know, the man is entitled to his uh, his view, and we should not try to impose ourselves." I'm like, "What are you talking about? I get even matter at them than Kyrie Irving, you know." And. I get, Then I started babbling about it to my uh, son-in-law. Brian, can you believe this guy? So,
0: well, <laughs> you, you know, so go I, think, ahead. Your reaction. I, I think a lot of people are sensitive um, because when, you know, there's the African-American community, there's a lot of, ha, there's not a lot, but I don't want to say, I don't know what the percentage is, but there has been some hesitancy because of the past right? So a lot of people feel like sensitive about like, should we say something? Should we not say something? I think it's okay to criticize people who don't want to get the vaccine personally, because it does affect other people. And I I saw really a pretty funny tweet by a black person that said, listen, if white people are going to your neighborhood to get the shot, you know, it can't be bad. So I thought that was pretty funny. Um, I think it's okay to criticize. I mean, you know, when you criticize, that doesn't mean you're going to go and beat someone up for not getting the Vaccine, but it's okay to sit there and express your opinion and say this is why it's wrong for someone not to get the vaccine. Because I was reading an article that said that the entire world has to be on board for us to get over this thing because the coronavirus is always going to exist. The question is, how many people are going to die from coronavirus? And they said if the entire world is not vaccinated, our world has shrunk so much compared to even 30, 40 years ago. I mean, people are traveling all the time. There's, you know, I have relatives overseas. I hope to see them someday. So it's like we're going to be exposed to everybody across the world, and it's and it just makes me it makes me personally angry that there's people like dying, literally dying for the vaccine around the world, and we as Americans like are hesitating to get the shot. We're so privileged. It's it's like you have to like bribe Americans. You have to give them food. You have to give them pizza. You have to give them um, marijuana. You have to give them beer, and it's like seriously, we're like that entitled of a country that that makes me mad as someone who's been to other places in the world where they don't have these this kind of access to shots, they don't cost anything. I mean, where my relative relatives live in India, you there's no refrigeration. I mean, there's refrigerators, but they don't have the kind of refrigeration systems we have here and the electricity goes off. So a lot of people are getting shots, but they're old vaccines. And you know, people are getting sick from that. And it's like, here we have Americans. And I just feel like Americans can be so selfish sometimes and just think, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? And so I think it's okay to criticize people. I'm not saying you have to like be mean and nasty to them, but I think it's okay to say like, hey, this is why we need to get vaccinated. And I know, I know who Kyrie Irving is, because I, I think he converted to Islam. I don't know if he still is, but he was fasting one year. And so I was telling Mick about it. And then he's like, oh, yeah, he said stuff about the world being flat or something. So like, oh, OK. But um, I heard he's a pretty good player, right? So I guess that's why people are, are curious or are just kind of concerned. But I think the NBA did the right thing. Um, they tend to, as according to Mick Dumkey, my husband, he said that they're probably the most progressive of all of the sports leagues that, you know, compared to the NFL and the MLB. So I think, I think it's okay. I mean, if you're playing basketball, you're pretty close contact. I mean, they're not wearing masks while they're playing, right? Because that would be crazy. You It'd be impossible to play the way these guys play. So you can't have someone unvaccinated on the basketball court in close proximity to everyone, breathing and coughing and, you know, you know, talking and, you know, it it just would be Dangerous. And, you know, even though like these pl- other players are vaccinated, you don't know how they're going to respond to it because people can still, you can still get coronavirus af- after you're vaccinated. What medical experts have said is that the chances of you dying are very slim, but you can still get really sick. So it's like you don't want to put other players in jeopardy and have them not play because this one person doesn't want to get the shot. So I think it's okay to criticize. Yeah, of course, you don't want to be mean and nasty, but like Ellen Pompeo, but <laughs> you still, can criticize, I think. I think it's yeah. fine. And I think it's fine I, uh, to call them anti-vaxxers. I don't think I have to use soft language for that.
1: Oh my God. No, I, yeah, I know. It's, this, it's ridiculous after a while. And uh, this is one of my favorite topics, the NBA uh, and the vaccine. And so I'll just I'll point this out. Uh, the, the NBA has a very curious double standard. So I think everybody in the NBA has to be vaccinated to go to a game. People who who are to keep score, uh, the um, the trainers, the coaches, and the um, referees have to be vaccinated. The players don't have to be vaccinated, Uh, and that turn has become a collective bargaining issue between the uh, the Association of Players and the NBA. And so, what the NBA and the leaders of the NBA union decided is to effectively make it very unattractive not to get the vaccine without mandating it, but making it very unattractive. For instance, Mm -hmm. you can't, I think this is the case, uh, Ramona, you cannot sit. If you're not vaccinated, you can't sit in the same part of the locker room with vaccinated players. You have like your separate quarters. Yeah. In a way, they're basically making them pariahs. And uh, Mick is absolutely correct. The vast majority And I really, this is a really important idea that the vast majority of NBA players are vaccinated. I think it's down to like literally a handful, maybe five players who are not vaccinated. The most best known is Kyrie Irving um, of Mr. Uh, The Earth is Flat fame. Uh, And so I just have found that very interesting that the, uh, the players were given this special exemption. I, I, I'm I for a mandate. I've come that far. I'm for a mandate. Mandates work. This is a public health crisis. I don't see it as a civil liberties issue. I'm really just shake my head in disbelief at people who claim it as a civil liberties li- issue because they were nowhere to be found when there were legitimate civil liberties issues, where people got thrown into jail because of their political beliefs. You know, the four MAGA's uh, heirs did not, uh, did not protest the shooting of Fred Hampton. I mean, I could just go on and on about civil liberties violations in this country that MAGA had never said boo about. And um, they never said so, anything
0: about the Patriot Act or any others, you know, it's, 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 that's what I'm saying. It's, it's funny. It's like other people's civil liberties, you know, basically it's people who don't look like you, right? Their civil liberties don't matter, but mine do. And this is my body. That's the thing that bothers me. It isn't just your body. If it was just your body, that's fine. But it's other people's bodies. And sadly, we had a family friend um, who, he lived in Florida. And he was 48 years old. This is someone that I grew up with. And I guess he wasn't vaccinated. And he just passed away on Sunday. And it's my friends and I, we haven't seen him in years. And we were all talking about it. And we were just like, it's like part of us are, is angry that he didn't get the shot. He has four daughters, 17 and under, and you know, he left a wife, and his, you know, his parents are devastated. And it's like his wife was saying that he wanted to do more research, and we're like, research? What research? And it's, it's, it's devastating. And um, I think a lot of nurses and doctors are saying that when people are hospitalized and they are close to dying, they ask things like, can I get the shot now? and it's too late. And so I'm I'm seeing this, this is like something that's affected me personally. And and I, I just, you know, everybody know, I'm like 99.9% of the people I know, he was probably the one person that I know that, you know, in our Indian community, somebody I grew up with, and I had, like I said, he lives in Florida, is vaccinated. And I, I'm just perplexed and look what happened. You know, he was 48 years old. He wasn't like a senior citizen. And so it's it's a devastating thing. And so if you can do, you know, nobody knows what can happen to anyone with this virus because we, we all know this is something new, but it's like, if you can take the precaution that you can, why not do it? The shots are free. And it's like, at this point, it's not even like, you know, like a couple months ago, we we're all like dying for the shot because it was impossible to get like, you know, we were like going on the internet and people were having a hard time, you know, going, you know, finding these different, like, you know, pharmacies where they could get it. Now it's like, you can just walk up and get it anywhere. I went to go speak to, um, a class at Columbia college last week and I walk in and they were basically like, they thought I was there to get a shot. And I go, no, no, I'm going to speak, but they had shots there. So it's like everywhere you go and there's no line. So there's just no excuse, I think at this point. And you know, if you don't get it done, it's like, it can be devastating, not just to you, but it affects other people and your loved ones.
1: Yeah, no, it's a very bizarre country divided country. When you said Uh, that uh, we were desperately trying to get the shot. You're talking about uh, the people like within our little universe, which (laughs) obviously is what we know, you know, outside our little universe. uh, And that's one thing I've really learned now. Uh, It takes a while for me to learn something, but when I learn it, I learn it. Uh, Our country, (laughs) this is so obvious what I'm about to say, is really polarized uh, and it's a very, and you're right, a very spoiled country, absolutely spoiled country, that the, people could just say, "I don't want this vaccine. <laughs> if it's going to endanger everybody else, I have a right not to take this vaccine." And an entire political party is dedicated to this worldview. A, the Republican Party is dedicated to this. Remind, it blows my mind. You cannot be a Republican and say, "Yes, you have to take the vaccine." They, if you even if you, even if you compliment. The va the vaccine. If you say like um, Lindsey Graham, the the, the right wing Republican senator from uh, South Carolina, in a speech the other day, made some reference to the vaccine, like it's a health, good thing you should take, and people booed him. You know, <laughs> <laughs> boo. Well, and then immediately, well, I'm not saying you have to take it. And like, you know, you guys. First of all, you're biggest bunch of wimps I've ever seen. Um, so we don't. I tolerate. I must tolerate. Your view on the vaccine. No, I don't have to tolerate your view. Anyway, all right, let's and move the on. Crazy,
0: the crazy thing is that their grand poobah, Donald Trump, got COVID, and he got the vaccine. It's like, this is your boy, and he got the vaccine, and you don't want to listen to him? Okay.
1: Yeah. They booed him, and he backed off, too. <laughs> he gave <laughs> I a know. speech. He boo- they booed him. Oh, oh, wait. I'm not saying you got to take it. And hold on. <laughs> you guys are such cowards. And by the way, NBA players... You don't come on. You could tell Kyrie Irving he's acting like a fool. You could say it, not gonna kill you. (laughs) All right, sorry, I'm gonna stop and get off on my. um, All right, let's uh, close with Romana's recommendations. Romana's all over a certain uh, TV show that's the hottest show in the world, uh, and she's making fun of me because she knows I probably won't like it. So take it away, Romana.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna. So I have still been, I'm still watching Ted Lasso with. Mick and the, and I know I've talked about it. Um, You should definitely watch it. I think you'll like it. Um, And it's only two seasons. The show that I binged this week was Squid Game. It's a Korean, I guess I would say South Korean drama. And it's based on, um, it's it's kind of a, um, just, it's kind of uh, centered on um, capitalism. I should tell you that. And one of the things that people are talking about, a lot of uh, Korean people who speak Korean are saying that the subtitles don't even give it justice. They're like, there's a lot of things that if you don't speak the language, they're going to just go over your head and you won't really understand how they're really taking a shot at capitalism. So I kind of am sad about that. But the one thing that's kind of cool is that there's a South Asian character in there. South Asian Muslim character in there. So he speaks Urdu. So whenever he speaks Urdu, I don't have to read the s- subtitles. He only speaks it a couple of times. He actually speaks uh, Korean. He's a character that a lot of people ended up liking. So the show's about um, this game. It's a twisted game where a lot of people who are down on their luck and don't have any money go play. And the game is you you go and you play it and people die while they play this game. And the reason I was making fun of you is because there's a very similar themed show that was uh, Japanese I believe it was called Alice in Borderland which I recommended on this on this show and it was very similar except in the fact that the world kind of just you know ends as we know it and all of a sudden people have to play these games so a lot of people are talking about the similarities and they're like how come Alice in Borderland didn't get the same love and I remember you told me you watched one episode and then you kind of gave up You liked it when it was all fun and sunny and then when the apocalypse came, you're like, I don't want to watch this show anymore. But, but I, it's Alice in Borderland, I thought was really cool. It was a cool show. And I think you would like Squid Game. It's only, it's only nine episodes. Um, They're about an hour long. I think episode eight was about half an hour, but um, I definitely, definitely would recommend it. And apparently it's like, the number one show on Netflix and P I've seen like articles about it, like left and right. And, um, I think you would enjoy it. It's, it's definitely, right, give it a shot. it's definitely, um, you know, morbid and a little like, you know, crazy, but I think, I think, I think we will lose a little in terms of understanding, like how it's criticizing capitalism, but in general, I, d- I did enjoy it. I liked, I liked a lot of the characters as well
1: well i will definitely watch it uh it's on netflix so i can watch it and we have a lot of downtime uh, here in los angeles we spend most of our time just hanging around with our uh, granddaughter and so uh, i will watch it give it a shot maybe i'll like it more than the other show uh, but now i have to tell you that my love for ryan murphy's uh, bill clinton monica lewinsky uh, saga grows immensely with each ish, uh, episode and I, I know you're going to hold off uh, until the whole thing's dropped so you can watch it. I urge you to watch it because I, I would love to do the deep dive with you on it. Is
0: it on what?
1: Netflix? Is it on no it's on Hulu. I oh okay say.
0: I can watch it. <laughs> I, maybe
1: Hulu. Yeah, maybe, watch
0: it. maybe I'll start watching it next week because I'm not watching a show right now. But my, You know I watch I binge on my, on, my, on my own shows without Mick so that could be my I could start it next week.
1: I I just urge you to watch it. I would love to get your opinions about it and your thoughts on it. Last night's episode, really, they're now at the point in the show, and I don't know if if you remember the details of the Clinton uh, impeachment saga, but there's so many parallels to today with how Republicans play the game of politics, how Democrats play the game of politics, uh, the deceit of the Clintons, uh, and just sort of the um, then the the seat of individual characters is is so fascinating. The star of the show is Sarah Paulson, in my humble opinion, who plays Linda Tripp. And
0: Ryan the Murphy. Tripp, Ryan Murphy loves Sarah Paulson, by the way. She's like in and, a lot of his shows,
1: and and he should because she's brilliant. Every time I see her in a Ryan Murphy show, I'm like applauding her. She was so good as Marsha Clark in the O.J. Simpson show. She was so good. Uh well uh this wasn't a Ryan Murphy show, but she was so bit good as the composite character uh in Miss America, the show about the ERA. She was excellent in it. anything she does, I feel, and she just brings Linda Tripp, the treachery and weirdness of Linda Tripp uh to life and the way Linda Tripp entraps Monica Lewinsky is really upsetting on one level, but absolutely fascinating on another level, and how that leads to the impeachment of a president, and how that has consequences for our country, because I do believe that George Bush defeated Al Gore uh, to to a certain degree because Americans were just tired of Bill Clinton, so they blamed Gore. And so I urge you to watch it. Um, I urge everybody to watch it, because you can learn a lot about history, you can learn about politics, From watching it as well, so it's one of those weird shows, Ramona. I feel like where not only we entertained, uh, and but you also get a a sense of what politics are like in this country. So that's your assignment. I'm going to watch uh, Squid Game, dutifully watch it, and maybe I'll like it, and I'll you know uh, I'll report back and I go, I was wrong about Alice. I'm right. You were right about Squid Game.
0: Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But I think you'll like it. I think if you gave Allison Borderland his chance, I think you would have liked it, too.
1: Uh, probably. It was. It could have been just a moment in time. Um, anyway, uh, Romana, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us. As always, there was a whole bunch of other things we were going to talk about, but we had so much fun taking a deep dive into Sage Steele and Ellen Pompeo <laughs> and Kyrie Irving, and uh, we didn't get there, so we'll get there next time. So uh, stay safe and sound, okay, Romana?
0: No worries. You take care, too.
1: All right, that's Ramana Hussein. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody.